I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. Episode 11, A Tribute to the Earth and to Us. Now perhaps you're finding, as I am, that these days it's hard to watch the news. There's so much suffering and uncertainty, climate change, things that are happening in far-flung places, and things that are happening close to home. It's in that light that I'd like to share an experience with you because as I was looking at the front page of an online newspaper the other day, something caught my eye. Amidst everything that's happening, all the headlines, a video was posted there. I saw it, and the whole feeling of that video, even just the title, and the image that went with it was wholly different from everything else. At first I registered that difference subconsciously, but then I began to realize the sense I was having, and I felt like I had to step out of, to leave, all the other news and just focus on this one thing, as if stepping into a different reality. And the video was called Earthrise. Under the title was a photograph. I recognized the photo. It was an image of the Earth from space. The Earth as it appeared, ascending over the horizon of the moon. And amidst all the news and the headlines and everything that's been going on, when I found that video, I felt immediately drawn to it. I had to watch it. I had to see something that, even before pressing play, I knew would evoke a feeling of that which is good and positive and hopeful. So I watched the video, and as I did, I'd learn that the image was taken in the late 1960s by the crew of the Apollo 8 spacecraft. The video, called Earthrise, combined interviews and documentary footage of their historic journey. In fact, they were the first astronauts to orbit the moon and the first humans to see the Earth from space. The Apollo 8 astronauts were three men. Their names were Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and William Anders. And in the video, footage of their historic orbit of the moon was interspersed with contemporary interviews with them. You followed their journeys then and now. I watched mesmerized. And when asked what it was like to be the first humans to see the Earth from space, a view that no other people had seen before, one of the astronauts remarked, you know, they should have sent poets on that space flight. And the reason he said that was because, without anticipating it, these astronauts experienced something so overwhelming, 
so profound and so new that they'd be at a loss to describe it. They saw our earth there floating in an infinitely vast expanse of blackness. They said, the one overwhelming emotion that we carried is that we really do all exist on one small globe. And when you get out 240,000 miles from earth, it really isn't a very large earth from out there. And as the video unfolded, they marveled at the beauty of the earth and its deep blue color against the blackness of space, 240,000 miles in the distance, and how this blue planet is teeming with life. It's teeming with untold billions of creatures, great and small, and it's teeming with us. And when asked what struck them most about that experience, the Apollo 8 astronauts reflected. They said, everything we held dear was on that planet. So after watching that video, the next morning, as I've begun to do each day, I walked from my little home out to the headland overlooking the ocean. There the sea stretches out before me, the sun coming up, the water glistening, shimmering in the early light. Each morning is different. Sometimes puffy clouds blanket the sky. Sometimes wispy clouds are scattered here and there. Sometimes the sky is an uninterrupted expanse of blue. And for that reason, the hue of the water can vary from velvety gray to dark green to light green-blue to sparkling turquoise. On that headland, that bluff, is my favorite bench, and it's there on that bench that I've been watching the whales, and it's where I go to feel my beloved daddy's presence since his passing just three weeks ago, and it's there where I talk to God and to meditate and to contemplate. It's become my beloved and special place. And as I was watching the ocean, a group of dolphins suddenly caught my eye. They were quite close to the shore, closer than the whales usually come. Near where the rocks meet the endless rhythm of the waves, there, down the steep cliff, beneath where I was sitting. So from high on my bench... I could easily gaze down upon the dolphins as they began to arc out of the water. They seemed so happy and contented, simply doing what is most easeful for them, jumping up, their lithe, shiny bodies emerging from the water, and then entering again as they rode the waves. And the waves were big, really big. And at one point, a huge wave came up, rolling, frothing, poised to break on the rocks below. And from where I was sitting, I could see into the wave, its translucent blue-green opening like a glassy window. And as the wave grew and became larger and moved towards the rocks, what I saw there inside that wave was a dolphin. 
the wave was holding the dolphin within it, its force rolling effortlessly, and the dolphin was gliding effortlessly in its mighty current, as if the wave and the dolphin were one. And I glimpsed that dolphin with a kind of awe, sitting there on my bench, where the ocean lays out before me, with the horizon stretching to the left and to the right, unimpeded as far as the eye can see. And I began to contemplate that Earthrise video that I'd seen the day before. I was thinking of that historic space journey 50 years ago, the journey that would reveal our home, our planet to us, glowing and radiantly blue. And I thought about one of the Apollo astronauts and what he reflected in that video. And he said, you know, we are just a small piece of an infinite universe, a blue marble in this sea of darkness. And then I began to consider how that space journey came about in the first place. The ingenuity and creativity and resilience and determination and inventiveness and vision that made that journey into space possible, a kind of alchemy of qualities that so markedly makes us human. All of that and more was necessary to invent a way for people to exit the atmosphere of our Earth, to travel almost a quarter of a million miles through space, to orbit the moon, and then return, re-entering the Earth's atmosphere, a challenge of enormous magnitude and precariousness, coming back to our home, this place, this planet, and to live through it all, that journey, to live through that journey, to tell and show everyone, once they arrived back, through their photographic images and their words, what they saw. Surely, I thought, if we could now collectively harness those abilities, we could alter our future. So I was contemplating all of this as I sat watching the sea before me and the dolphins, and at that moment whales began breaching further out in the distance, their noses emerging up and out of the water whoosh. They're splashing down with big belly flops, except on their backs, and those huge fins arcing up and out, then back, moving, submerged, moving along. As they continued on their journey, carving a path south through the great ocean. And I wondered, what makes the whales breach? I asked myself, why do they seem to love to do that? I didn't know. And at that moment, remarkably, a man entered the little area near my bench. And I thought to ask him. He was gazing out at the whales, too. And I asked, I said, do you know why the whales breach like that? And much to my delight, he was friendly, and in fact, he did know. He said, well, as a matter of fact, 
I was wondering that myself recently, and so I researched it to find out. And I discovered that it's their way of communicating. The whales are communicating in this extraordinary breaching they do, in the flapping and turning around and jumping out of the water. And he told me all these things, and I was just amazed. It's what I was wondering myself. After that, I thanked him, and then he bid me good day and continued on his walk. After he left, I marveled that the answer had come to me just like that with that man's presence. And then I thought about the whales. Perhaps that's why we so love to be near them. They're communicating in this grand way, in their playful jumping and breaching. They're communicating, and that made it even more meaningful to see them. At that moment, a whale-watching boat, out in the distance, moved near to the whales and hovered in their vicinity, close to these great creatures. And I could sort of see when I squinted how many people were standing on the deck, and I imagined, though I couldn't quite see, that they all had cameras and phones in hand, marveling too. And I thought, we are so linked to these sea creatures of the earth. The fact is that these are sea mammals. Like us, they're warm-blooded. They have lungs like we do. They're drawn to and depend on the open air to join with it as they emerge with each breath from the depths they need the air as do we. And the mama whale provides milk for her young, like human mommies do too. Maybe that's why we're so drawn to the whales and to the dolphins as well. That and their majesty, their majestic presence. So like so many others, I'm struck with what's happening on this earth with the realities that are unfolding in the environment of our blue planet, and with what the scientists are now telling us. It's possible that we won't be here indefinitely. Our ongoing presence here is not guaranteed, but somehow I feel there's something about us humans, who we are, where we're going, and I have to say that that's where my dearest dad comes in and the experience that I've been having since his passing three weeks ago. An experience of what he's revealing to me and helping me to understand and to sense in his coming to me, in the feeling of his presence so close and near. He's showing me that there is an eternal part of us something that's not just reserved for an afterlife or the afterlife, but something that can be felt and sensed here and now, here on this earth. To feel my dad's presence now in the wake of his passing, to feel him like there's a transparency between us, to feel this incredible love and to sense the nature of who he truly is, and really always has been in my life from the very, very beginning. 
that experience of what my beloved daddy is giving me is the greatest gift I can imagine. He is bringing to me a sense of that which is eternal, which is unspeakably beautiful and good. And it's the essence of who each of us truly is. Each of us. That's my sense of it. My daddy is showing me that, something I could never have imagined or anticipated. So there on my bench, I prayed to my dad and to God to ask them, what is my future? What is our future? And what came was this vision of being held in a translucent blue-green bubble, held here on this beautiful blue marble, as the astronauts called it, this beautiful blue orb, Earth. And as I prayed, what came to was a vision of the essence of who each of us is. And it was a vision of how that most delicate place can be protected and nurtured, that essential quality, an unspeakable innocence and love. That's what came to me. That and a feeling for the precious earth upon which we exist, this earth that carries and sustains us and the myriad creatures, great and small, who abound here, who live together with us in an infinitely interconnected web of life. So as I watched the dolphins and I watched the whales, I thought of a poem I'd written many years ago when I was just 14, a time when innocence and uncertainty and longing melded together there under the surface of my youthful days. I recalled this poem also shortly after my dad passed, when I was feeling him close and near, as I still do, and now watching the dolphin carried in the blue-green transparency of that wave, I recalled again the image that I'd conjured all those years ago in a poem that I called The Sea. Down in the depths, glowing in the emerald sea light, the carbonations sweep round me, traveling as one, only that I may live in their caressing whirlpools as I do, my thoughts bounce among the playful bubbles. I wish to touch every one, to hold each illuminated globe. But still I must seek finality in one single special sphere, and with it sanctuary from the searching, swirling currents. Enclosing it, finding the warmth of its rainbow radiance, I add my glow to the illumination. I enclose it and become enclosed, and with the tiny pocket of sea breeze, rise steadily to the surface. That was the poem, or part of it, that I composed all those years ago, and reading it now, I think I long to see myself as being carried in a glowing bubble a tiny pocket of air, of sea breeze, rising to the surface, just as the whales do, 
just as the dolphins do, as I can see myself now, carried on this beautiful earth. And I thought, what would it be like for all of us to see ourselves as we did 50 years ago, when for just that one moment, the entirety of humanity glimpsed our home, planet Earth, for the first time, as the images from that historic space flight were transmitted around the world. That would be something. And I remembered from the video something that one of the Apollo 8 astronauts said. He said, we have to see ourselves as riders on the Earth together. We are all astronauts. So as I was contemplating all of this, I thought to myself, we are held. We are held in the atmosphere of our floating planet. We're carried on this Earth, this beautiful Earth, this rolling blue planet. We are all being carried, just like the dolphin I saw this morning, carried in the blue-green wave. Thank you.